Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks so much for listening to Your Working Life today, my podcast series featuring thought leaders in the career and personal growth arena. I know that you spend a significant portion of your life at work, so I'm on a mission to provide you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. And I'm really excited to welcome my very special guest to the show today, Ceci Correa. Ceci, welcome. I'm glad you're with me. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here today. Oh, you're welcome. I'm excited to have you, and I'm always eager to honor women in technology, especially fabulous women like yourself. And I do want to tell our audience all about you, Ceci, and then we're going to dive into a juicy conversation. Sure. Ceci Correa is a tech enthusiast who has worked with some of the world's largest brands. Before working for digital boutique agencies like Springbox and Four Kitchens, Ceci worked for Electronic Arts and Dell, two companies at the top of their respective industries. In her current role as Director of Business Development at Four Kitchens, a web design and development consultancy firm, Ceci leads marketing and branding efforts as well as client relations. She completely revamped the company's lead generation efforts, which has led to signing major brands including Time Inc. and New York University, among others. Way to go, Ceci. That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about... um, Finding jobs, right? You you have this great idea of blogging for the job you want and how that's the new dressing for the job you want. Can you expand upon that a little bit, Ceci? Absolutely. And, you know, it's actually, um, we were having a discussion internally about what we look for in candidates. And one of the first things that we do is see if a candidate has a personal blog where they like to talk about their process, especially when you're talking about technology. Uh, If you're looking to be a developer or a designer, if you write posts that sort of summarize your take on how to code properly or your coding philosophies or your design process. If you can show a little bit of personality there through your blog, it's a lot easier for an employer to understand whether you'll be a good fit within that team. Because I find that technology companies more and more care about whether you'll be a good fit culturally. Yeah. A lot of tech companies, um, will say that you know they much they much rather um hire someone that they'll like to go and have a beer with than someone that absolutely has a hundred percent of all of the technical expertise. So there's a lot of forgiveness that a tech company um is willing to afford when looking for the right skill set. So you might not be a hundred percent at a particular skill, but if you can show your thought process through blogging, I think that that's a great opportunity to break into the business. You know, I love that advice too, Ceci, because I think women in particular, and I'll be eager to hear your take on this, women in particular often need, often believe they need to be 100% qualified for a position. And men historically have been hired for their potential. And that's terrific. I think we can learn a lot from men. And it's all about, can I learn it? Am I trainable? And I believe the answer is yes. So I love this philosophy of blogging to really showcase all the things you're already doing and also to showcase your potential to learn new things. Absolutely. And I think that's a great point. 
um, about women's perception of themselves when applying for a job. I actually deal with this um, on a day-to-day -day basis. I teach technology classes for a nonprofit uh, called Girl Develop It. It's a national nonprofit, and I am um, one of the co-chapter leaders of the Austin chapter. And I get to work with wonderful women that are looking to break into the technology industry. And for most of the women that take our classes, this is a career change for them. Yeah. Uh, we have had teachers looking to learn how to code to become developers and pretty much anything you can think of. And often I, I'm having to fight that uh, perception that you have to be 100% ready. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely think that blogging is a good way to show that you're learning, that you're willing to continue to learn. And those are traits that potential employers definitely respond well to. That's so good to hear. Hey, I want to I want to take a, a an offshoot of that. Tell me, how did you find your way into the tech world? Was it something as a young girl you were interested in? You know, what sparked your interest in this career field? Yeah, so I've always been very much interested in technology. Um, my older brother was a programmer, uh, and he's actually uh, about seven years older than me, so he, he has a little bit of a lead time. Uh, so uh, while he was uh, starting a career, I was you know quite young, and I saw him be a programmer, and I was very interested in that. However, I chose to study traditional media for my college career, but all, all the while I kept up with technology and I found myself that I enjoyed the technology classes that I took as a hobby. Uh, I enjoyed them a lot more sometimes than the traditional uh, media classes I was taking. And for me, a big moment, um, a, a big sort of revelatory moment for my career was when I was interning at a major film studio in Hollywood and I was putting together reports for one of the top executives. I was having to gather different reviews from different movie sites and put them together into a PDF. Mm -hmm. And I told my boss, oh, I wonder if, um, if this head of the studio is reading the PDF that I'm making through his smartphone and my boss said, oh, he doesn't have a phone. Wow. <laughs> so it just, it made me realize that perhaps traditional media wasn't really the place for me. Um, it, and it took me having to go and actually get a job in traditional media at a pretty high profile place to realize that. And then after that, um, I went into technology. So it was a little bit of trial and error. Um, but I would really highly recommend that if you are interested in a field, go go find out for yourself. Otherwise, you're not going to know. So even so though in, in my experience, it was trial and error, I'm much happier now in, uh, in the tech field after having experienced uh, the traditional media world. Good for you. And listen, trial and error is the way to do it, right? You've got to taste it a little bit and decide if you want to order more. So well done. You know, it, the reality, though, is even post-recession, it's still a complicated and oversaturated job market and, and competitive, especially for younger professionals, right? So how do you differentiate yourself, Ceci, in a, in a very competitive and oversaturated marketplace? I've always been a big fan of going out there and trying something new. So a lot of the times that means that 
the first thing I do in the morning is just read the trade news. Yes. Because I want to be known within my field as the first person that tweeted something or recognized Uh something. Okay. I feel like if I can provide value to my community in that way, then I can differentiate myself and other folks will want to work with me. And I try to bring that uh, to the people that follow me on social media and then also the people that I work with. So just like I would tweet an interesting article, I also am that one person that will send you a very interesting article that I read that morning because I want you to associate that value that I bring uh, with with my skill set and with my name. Um, so that's one way that I, I try to differentiate myself is to by always continue to be that person that's looking for the next big thing. Uh, and then the other way that I feel like you can really differentiate yourself, uh, especially in the tech industry, is by just attending meetups. I yeah. feel like a lot of people don't really put the importance on meetups that they should have. And I can absolutely tell you that being involved in my local meetup community has absolutely changed my life. And 100%, I can tell you that the job that I have right now at Four Kitchens, I got because of my involvement in the local community. Essentially, um, I ended up bumping into my now boss at a meetup and we had a talk. And then a couple of weeks later, I had an offer. So and I was looking for a job. Um, but I think that that involvement can really show someone that this is your passion. The way that uh, one of our local leaders in our community, um, who is a little bit of a mentor for me, uh, he, he, li- he likes to say that all of you do tech from nine to five. And those of you who go out to a meetup after work to continue to talk about the work that you do, those are the people that he wants to work with because those are the people that he feels are very, very passionate. So I, I cannot stress enough the importance of being involved in your local community. That's great. That's great. And I love that quote from your, this is your now boss and also a sometime mentor, correct? Yeah. Love it. Love it. So, Ceci, let's talk a little bit about social media because it is such an important tool and then we use it also in our personal lives. So how do we strike that balance between being the professional persona, but also, you know, doing some things that are fun and much more social? It's complicated. Tell me about how you tackle that. Sure. So my first rule of thumb, uh, as someone who would eventually like to give a keynote at a big conference, like say South by Southwest, Mm -hmm. my big rule of thumb is that if I wouldn't say something in front of a room of 2000 people at a keynote, probably doesn't belong in social media, probably Mm -hmm. doesn't belong on my Twitter. But I do feel like there's an interesting balance between being yourself and not being yourself. So social media coaching coaching is something that I'm very passionate about. And one of the things that I always say is that, yes, you should absolutely be yourself. Do have rules, like I just said, you know, set some guidelines for yourself as to what you will actually say, but don't be afraid to be yourself. And one of the reasons why I feel like I never want to be afraid to be myself in social media is that If I say something, like, for example, 
one of uh, my colleagues says that he doesn't like to talk about, you know, if he uh, is having a beer and he's enjoying it and he really likes it, I really recommend this brand. He doesn't really want to talk about that anywhere publicly because he doesn't want that to come back to haunt him. And I feel like, you know what, if that's something that you truly enjoy, like maybe you are a home brewer, maybe you're really into craft beers, like if that is a passion of yours, why would you want to work for someone that would deny you of that passion, of that hobby? So I really don't try to hide who I am via social media. So, you know, I really love karaoke. <laughs> and probably pictures of me out there singing karaoke. Uh, and I'm, I'm not afraid of that. It's part of who I am. It's part of my passion. And if someone doesn't want to hire me because there's a picture of me singing on stage to, I don't know, Journey, <laughs> honestly, I probably wouldn't want to work there. So, Well, I appreciate your authenticity. And, uh, you know, what I'm hearing is that honor your passions, right? But obviously, with any kind of a public profile, including social media, which is just global and pervasive in every possible way, you know, we, we also just need to remember that there are no filters, right? And that everybody's watching. So be authentic, be true to yourself, but also choose wisely about what you're going to put out there. Absolutely. And I, one of the rules that I made for myself is that I will be on Twitter during the weekdays. Weekends, I usually try to stay away from social media. And that's partly because technology is my job in right. social media. You want to step away a little bit, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I definitely want that um, space, excuse me. But I've also found that having that space to be myself without social media in the mix uh, on the weekends has really helped me have a better balance between who I am online and who I am when I'm not online. That's so I, that's a rule that's really worked for me. Good for you. Hey, I really enjoyed hearing you talk earlier, Ceci, about how technology wasn't you know, the first career that, that you found yourself in and how you evolved to find tech. So is it too late to learn a tech skill for some seasoned professionals who perhaps have been out there a good long time or, you know, or just in the beginning of their career, but they didn't start in tech? How do you how do you navigate that? Sure. I don't think that it is too late to get into tech. The market is just expanding so much. And uh, part of the reason why I believe that there's still room for a lot of people to make that jump into tech is that I feel like every company is going to become a tech company. Right. At some point. Over another. At some point right. Exactly. So we got to lay that foundation. And there's a lot of work right now that needs to be done to bring technology to industries that have been traditionally underserved um, by technology. So an example that I can provide right now is in the nonprofit space. We actually have a lot of clients right now that come to us because they're wanting to digitize their business. So traditionally with nonprofits, how you would do uh, most of your fundraising would be through in-person events or maybe by sending out um, mailers. And now a lot of that is migrating to an online workflow. So instead of sending out a letter asking for a donation, it's an email. Um, and those emails need to be personalized. So I'm seeing that something that traditionally was done 
um, in a physical sense through uh, snail mail or in-person events, all of those things are moving now online. So the nonprofit world is going through a very exciting change in which there, a lot of a lot of these nonprofit companies are digitizing their processes. And I see that happening really in pretty much any industry that you can think of. So what's going to really make change is if if you're in a particular industry where you feel like technology has not really permeated that industry, if you make that jump to tech and try to bring your industry-specific expertise and mix that with your newfound technology expertise, you can really make some good headway in marrying those two interests. So who knows, you might end up innovating and providing new tech workflows to bring to a new industry that didn't have online workflows before. So that's one way in which I think that it's definitely not too late. It's just the beginning. And especially for those folks that had a different career beforehand, they can use that knowledge to make the industry better. So, Excellent. I love that advice. I want to I want to finish up, Ceci, by talking about the mentor and the mentee relationship. You mentioned earlier that you've benefited from mentors in your career, and I know that you now serve as a mentor to others. So tell me about both sides of that fence, being the mentor and being the mentee. So, you know, this is something that's actually very close to my heart because, I've, you know, like you said before, I've definitely experienced a good mentor relationship early, early on. And I've been lucky enough to benefit from having a lot of different mentors. So I think that a lot of young people right now, now that I'm finding myself being a mentor and not a mentee, a lot of young people are afraid to go out and find someone that will teach them something. And I think that comes from a fear that maybe they should know better. A lot of young people feel like they should already have the knowledge. So they're afraid to go and find someone that will help them along the way with career advice or you know anything that they might need. Because sometimes it's not just about the hard skills that you're learning. Right. Sometimes it's just about so much more that can go on in your career and I find that sometimes young people are intimidated to ask someone else that's more established uh, to be a mentor. Um, so first thing that I would say to a potential mentee out there is don't be afraid to go find someone that you really admire and ask them for a coffee or a lunch. Uh -huh. You know, they'll likely be very flattered. Um, but one thing, one piece of advice that I would say is that be respectful of their time. Don't think that you are entitled to their time and be okay with perhaps getting a no. Um, it might take a little bit for you to find the right mentor for you, but it's out there or he or she is out there. Uh, and don't be afraid to go and find that person. And I would say that for a mentor, it's about remaining open. So it's going to get really hard once you get to a point where Obviously, you're balancing your career, and every now and then you get these requests from people um, asking for a little bit of your time. One thing that I'm, I'm going through right now is uh, that a lot of those times, those requests kind of fizzle. Uh, people come to me and they like they ask for a coffee because they're really interested in starting technology, and I'm very much eager to talk to them. And then I end up seeing that the requests just 
visible and don't go anywhere. So from from my perspective as a mentor, uh, if someone is asking for my time and, you know, maybe we did make it to a coffee, um, don't be afraid to lead by maybe you asking for a follow-up because sometimes a mentee might be a little bit intimidated uh, by asking you for another um, another time to meet. So, you know, if you do have the time, you might have to give that little push. Um, but I, I think that at, in the end, it's very rewarding once that person, once you see them grow. So sometimes it definitely takes a little bit of time on your part um, as a mentor. But, you know, sometimes you got to also be the person that leads uh, and pushes that a little bit uh, in order to see your mentee grow. Good advice. So, Sessa, you had a great thing happen recently in that you were featured in Velma Magazine out of Austin, Texas, which you said is a women in tech magazine. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So Velma Magazine is a great initiative started by one of our community leaders. Her name is Jess Lowry, and she has a startup here in Austin. And as a female startup founder, she had found that a lot of our fellow female in tech um experts were going through a lot of the same issues and this community was being rather underserved uh, within our Austin community. So she decided to highlight all of those problems that are sort of unique to women in tech here in Austin, especially uh, by starting this online magazine called Velma Magazine. So each each month they highlight a different topic uh, that's women-centered, specifically around tech. And they try to talk to different leaders within our community, uh, whether it's in tech or maybe just adjacent to tech. Right, uh, right. Something tangentially, yeah. Yeah, someone that we can benefit from hearing from, uh, just so we can all learn from each other and um, understand those challenges better and feel like we're not alone. So Awesome. Well, congratulations. That's such an honor. What a great opportunity for you and certainly a coup for the magazine to feature you. So tell us how we can find you online. How can we communicate with you in the social media sphere? Sure. So my platform of choice is Twitter. I am at Ceci Korea, that's C-E-C-Y-C-O-R-R-E-A. And I am on Twitter most of my days, uh, on weekdays. (laughs) So yeah, I'm very approachable. If you have any questions uh, or just want to chat with me, feel free to reach out to me via Twitter. Wonderful. Ceci Korea, I want to thank you so much. I wish you great success at Four Kitchens. And it was such a delight to have you on the show. You're an inspiration, certainly to young professionals, to women interested in technology, and to everybody. So I thank you for sharing your your time and expertise, and I wish you all the best. All righty. Thank you. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning into Your Working Life, where my goal is to help you design your career destiny so it doesn't happen by default. True career and life satisfaction is really possible, so it's time to embrace what you love doing so you can do more of it. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Take good care. (laughs) 